Hello there. Welcome to the Africa Rights Talk Podcast, a center for human rights podcast series exploring a range of human rights issues through conversations with academics, practitioners, and activists. I am your host, Victoria Amici. Let's dive in. I just sat here and, and let you go on and on because I, I I really know that, uh, I mean, TRC has been doing quite a lot of work around this bill. And um, I believe me, what you've given us is, is not a little, but uh, it's, it's really a mouthful. Which brings to, to my next question that basically what you are painting is a picture of a bill that really still needs working. A bill that uh, for now, I think we can safely agree from what we've said that uh, it is not a bill that can be adopted uh, in its uh, current form because of the flaws that uh, that you have just highlighted. I'm, I'm very worried that uh, when we um, in embracing digital technologies and uh, we know, uh, like I've been saying, getting excited about being in the digital age, there is this then whole legislating that is happening which is uh, derailing the gains uh, of democracy that we should be enjoying uh, right now and criminalizing such practices that are associated with being in a democracy. So since what you are saying is that this bill can be passed in its current state, maybe just take us through what TRC has been doing to ensure that at least this bill is not passed in, in the current form that, that we are describing right now. What have you been doing as an organization? I think the the first thing for us to to highlight is that in as much as people try think that we are just a participatory democracy. We also have, um, it is both, it, it, it is both, our dem democracy is both representative and participatory in a direct sense. Because even if you read our, our section 20 of the constitution, it says that people will um, lead a hand in the issues of governance through either representatives or directly. So through representatives, I think it is quite easier because we, we have a parliament, we have the National Assembly whereby we elect people and then they go there. But the direct part, the direct part of the spectrum, it is not well defined. But as an organization, I think we we're trying to pave a way because we already have a, a court case um, whereby TRC uh, uh, challenged the appointment of IEC officers because it was said that the participation of, say, civil society organization and other uh, interested parties was quite limited. And the Court of Appeal in that instance said, no, your direct participation in, say, a process um, should be um, di directed by the nature of the right you're trying to protect or the interest you're trying to protect. So um, in this instance, as, as, as citizens of this country, as individuals, as organizations, 
in our assembly um, and coming together in our associations um, with common interests. Now we have a bill. We have a bill that um, has a long way to go into our constitutional democracy. And I would um, differ with most people who say that, no, um, citizens should not have anything to do with lawmaking, no. In, in, in laws that are going to have an effect on certain people, such people should be consulted. That's the reading, that's my interpretation of the judgment of the Court of Appeal. In this instance, as, a, as, a, as an organization, as individuals who, who thrive on, on information, whose work is acquiring information through documents, we have interest in this matter. So we should be given a fair chance to participate. And as an organization, um, we, we are demanding it. First, what we did in 2021 was that we prepared, we, we gathered together civil society organizations and Misa Lesotho, and then we prepared a report. And in that report on computer crimes and cybersecurity bill, we highlighted problematic sections, the first one. And then we made presentations before the portfolio committee. And then, yes, we made those contributions to, to the National Assembly. And then through our, our interventions with other players, we were able to, to convince the portfolio committee to advise the, the minister withdraw that bill. The portfolio committee instructed the committee, the, 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 the parliament to reject the bill, and then it was withdrawn from parliament by the minister. That was the, the first start, and they were instructed to, to go and make proper consultations. When those consultations were made by the ministry now, um, we we called uh, some of the officers at the ministry and we had conversations with them and then we even submitted our submissions. Um, none of them were taken. Uh, largely, yes, none of them were taken because our concern is predominantly predominantly on the substantive parts of the of the bill. And then um, I think around April. 2022, which was, I think, about, uh, was it four months before the dissolution of parliament? The, the bill was again rushed to parliament, to, to the National Assembly, just before a, um, a summit or a seminar by SADAC. I think SADAC is, has been sponsoring that bill. Uh, a day before that, it, the, the ministry then uh, rushed the uh, <laughs> bill again to the National Assembly. Now that now people were, were predominantly preoccupied by the, the arguments around the reforms. Uh, the reforms were far back and uh, far back of the schedule, I, I would say. And it was apparent that we might, that the, the parliament might be dissolved before the, the constitutional amendment was passed. So um, we, we, did, we did not pay much attention to to the computer crimes and cybersecurity bill. But as an organization, 
we followed it. Um, it was it was passed in in the National Assembly, then rushed to the um, the Senate. When we tried to go to the Senate, I think after quite a number of days, we learned that the Senate had also passed that bill. We followed it and we knew that it was even sent to the office of the His Majesty for, for assent. Um, we even followed up with the ministry, followed up with the private secretary of His Majesty on where the bill was and what was the status of the bill. And until the day the bill was, um, until the day parliament was dissolved, we were following up on the bill. The bill was still before the, His Majesty and it was not signed into law. And then parliament was dissolved. After that, um, we have a new government coming in. As soon as the, the new minister came in, uh, we sought audience. We sought her audience on the bill. And then we started with the, the ministry. We invited them to a, a, a roundtable dialogue. Uh, we wanted to have the, the, principal, the principal secretary, but um, we were given the, the officers from the ICT department and the legal department, but we had a conversation with them. And then they told us, no, uh, you know, uh, this bill is long overdue. Um, let's have it passed. What if we just let it pass and uh, we can amend after? And then we said, no. If, if we already identify substantial flaws, substantial constitutional flaws in the, <clears throat> in the bill, we're not talking about just um, maybe grammatic errors, um, just a few things. We, we are talking about the substantial parts of this bill. So you want to tell us that you would have a good law that you might find not being able to be implemented because the very first day that it is it, it ascends, the, 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 it is gazetted and uh, promulgated into a, a, a law, an act of parliament. It is subjected to, to constitutional litigation. And I said, no, that would not be the, the kind of a law we want. And, you know, um, what we, we, we were trying to portray to, to them is that, you know, I, I think we should open channels for, for dialogue, for conversations, because we were not there when this bill was drafted, wherever it was drafted, but we want to understand your, your context, your perspective on the bill, so that we also give you our, our concerns, our, our, our context, as well as the perspective on the bill. It is just a dialogue thing. We may be wrong, you may be wrong, or we may both be right, and we would have to pave the way forward then. But it was not very easy. It was quite, uh, the government was quite dismissive. The ministry was a bit dismissive in that part. And um, I think they, they had an impression that we do not want the bill. But our argument has always been, we need a bill that, that would regulate um, crimes on, on cyberspace, on digital spaces, but the form, we are concerned about the form. And now we have this bill that you brought up and which we think certain aspects of it are problematic. We need the bill 
but we need to work on it. And then the ministry um, was a bit dismissive. Um, I think around the 21st in December, we had the government in, in October. Around the 21st of December last year, 2022, then we had um, an audience. The minister called us actually and said, no, we've seen your letter where you tried to meet me. Um, I'm sorry that um, it went missing around the office, but I found it. So what is it that you want to tell me about this bill? And then we went through the bill trying to highlight the major parts of it and how we would like to contribute or what should be done, what we think should be done on the bill. So the minister was there. She had us and said, no, I'll get back to you. And I think on following that in January, February, March, we tried to engage the minister to say, no, we want to know um, what you and the new government wants to do with that bill that, that was before His Majesty, just before the dissolution of parliament. There were no responses. There were no responses. Um, I think now it came um, April, April, May, then June. Just before the closure of parliament, weeks before, we saw it popping on the on the order paper, the National Assembly order paper, whereby a motion would be placed before the the, um, the National Assembly to the effect that the bill should be reinstated to the position it was before the, the dissolution of parliament. And that is the, the office of His Majesty. Through the interventions of other, other civil society organizations, we approached the informally approached the, the relevant portfolio committee in unison and then we pleaded with the the chairperson of the prime minister's ministries to um, convince the plead with the minister to withdraw that motion so that we have we are ahead before such a motion is passed and maybe i should even highlight that in may in May, um, the Transformation Resource Center, through my office, we made submissions before the, the African Commission on, on Human and People's Rights, and the same thing. And I think that presentation that I made got um, widespread attention, such that we are covered by even international media. Um, Yes, from South Africa and other and other countries, and then even in the country, I think for for the whole month, the whole month of May, um, it was talk of the town, and we were able to, I think, say educate maybe educate the journalists who were not really interested in the in the law. We tried to ignite. Um, something in them that would protect their own um, space. And now, if you come back into in, in the country, I think you would find that the advocacy, the lobbying around it, uh, the journalists are now taking active part. And you would find that even the, the organizations that were, that really thought 
TRC was being traumatic when it says that there are problems with the B. They came, they came and said, okay, oh, we hear what you're saying. And okay, okay, uh, I, I, we think we can contribute. And then now um, we even went before the, the minister. I think the minister made a stockholder meeting, a, a large one, um, which I do not think was quite effective. Uh, where TRC led the media, and media houses and the civil society. And we tried to make submissions, but we could not cover the, the whole big. So uh, basically, and now with, um, with the collaboration and partnerships with the Center for, for Human Rights, as soon as parliament was, went on, was adjourned, went on break as soon as parliament went on break and then we took that opportunity with the center for human rights uh we cleared of the we cleared of the partnerships that we have now uh we were able to go to the relevant portfolio committees in 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 in, in the national assembly and the senate uh, where we tried to raise awareness on, on the digital rights vis-a-vis cyber crime and cyber security aspects of the of these issues as, as well as emerging emerging technologies and now i think our mps our representatives in, in in parliament have a better understanding of digital rights because for them it was we have we have grown people who do not have much interest in in this digital developments but now I think we're trying to show them that it is not only going to affect us, but the digital space developments on digital spaces are affecting all of us. And right after, right after our, our engagement with parliamentarians, with the University of Pretoria, with you, we had another session i think we had a bigger session with the mps with more representatives from the the senate and other um mps who were not part of the the first training now we went into another um say we, we tried as we tried to bring together i think about 20 organizations from around the country and then we tried to work around a position paper. And now that um, those findings, we tried, we, we worked with the National University Legal Clinic and the position paper would inform our conversation with the, the parliamentarians. So basically now um, as, a, as an organization, that is working with other organizations. We have maybe two core documents that we have been engaged in as far as the digital rights cyber crime is concerned. The other with you as the Center for, for, for Human Rights and um, our contribution and our demand to be heard um, uh, has gone thus far.
Indeed, yes, there's, I can attest really to the work that uh, TRC is doing. I, and I think it's getting to a point where the representatives in, in the National Assembly and Senate are also saying, let's let's have a discussion again. I'm glad it's getting to that point where they are also willing to listen. For me, it's the willingness um, to engage, it's the willingness to to listen, but it, it's been quite a long way, really. We sincerely hope that uh, in the end, you will reap the benefits of this uh, work that you have been doing. But I suppose when we look at the whole uh, framework, it is not just the computer crimes bill. What do you think are other legislative, just briefly, other legislative reforms that Lesotho should adopt to enhance the promotion and protection of, of digital rights beyond this one that you are currently working on? I think the first thing to do would be to make sure that all um, these laws are consistent as far as the the digital spaces are, their implementation on digital spaces are, are concerned. We have the Criminal Procedure and Evidence Act of 1981. We have the Police Service Act of 98, National Security Service Act of 98, we also have the Industrial Property Order 1989. We have Money Laundering and Process of Crime 2008. We have Data Protection. The first thing would be to have all these laws, the Communications Act also. Um, they should be consistent as far as regulating cyberspace is concerned. That's the first part. On, 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 on laws that we may need as a country, to enhance or rather to, to ensure the safety of our, our, our online spaces. I think we also need policies. We need um, uh, um, a very extensive policy on, on, on cybersecurity as a, as, a, as, a, as a component in the digital space, not just computer crimes or cyber crimes, but that the cybersecurity policy of this country, I think we should have it. Um, I know we have the we have ICT policy as a country, but I think now that there are developments now, we should be going for a, an extensive policy on on cyber issues. Um, maybe we can even have say charters um, like the I think. England has a charter on digital rights. We can have such. Yeah, I think uh, those are some of the things that come to mind when I, I think of this. And we also have go beyond, we should also go beyond the legislative processes, the legislative part or even the policy part, and then go for edu education programs on different platforms, trying to educate people on, on issues of cybersecurity and cyber crimes. Indeed, I think, yes, uh, different ways can, can be employed. Um, like I like the last part that you are raising around awareness, because you realize that in as much as we can do a legislative overhaul, um, there is still that uh, missing link where you have the existence of a very beautiful framework, which is not known by the public. So there is that need really to ensure that there is awareness that is raised around uh, the, the laws that are adopted, but also just to ensure that, like you said previously, 
obviously that you know the public has to be involved in lawmaking like they they this should be consultative and uh, hence the inclusion of the public and other stakeholders uh, as well is is important but we, we also mentioned and i know our engagement uh, with uh, in partnership with you as the our representatives in in parliament and the senate maybe looking at you know, the manner in which uh, they have been engaging uh, or the things that have been said about uh, the the bill, what do you think part of the assistance that can be rendered to to our parliamentarians or, or members of the Senate to assist them to legislate in the digital age? Because we know that, you know, laws are becoming technical, sophisticated, digital in nature and and. Yeah, we do know that there are kind of knowledge gaps that exist. So what kind of assistance do you think can be rendered to, to this very important uh, body of stakeholders? Yeah, interesting. You know, I think I should start where I tried to indicate that they have seen it work. Um, just as we were undertaking the, the training, you will remember that one of the MPs, was under the radar of the National Security Services, whereby um, a warrant was signed by uh, the minister in the office of the prime minister, uh, which sought to have his phones seized. So in this digital age, we, we use our cell phones for, uh, for almost everything. Uh, our conversations, our internet banking, uh, school, um, our applications, um, our work, uh, and everything. Our entertainment is there. We watch TV on 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 our on, on our on our devices. So one of them one of them uh, nearly got his devices seized, but he refused and then launched a constitutional case against uh, Section 26 of the National Security Services Act. And that is something that we've been trying to relay to them to say, you know, these things are going to... Um, now now, now they are... I think they are, you, you're seeing it in black and white when it, it functions. And fortunately, I think it was on the first... Was it the first or the second day? The, on the first day judgment was was given in that case and that section in the national security services act which uh, was arbitrary as far as seizure of property is concerned and in this instance an, an electronic device we saw the constitutional court the high court sitting is the constitutional court uh, declaring that section un, unconstitutional and um what we, 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 we heard then is that how are we going to help you understand these things because they are coming to you. As political actors, um, you may be in possession of certain documents that the, those in government would not want you to have. But where should we start? You should first understand democracies. I think the education parties is essential and I'm really glad that we, the, the university has been of assistance in this, in this regard. And I think this is something that hopefully can grow such that we can cover the whole parliament 
not just a few portfolio committees. You know, what they they told was told us was that uh, you know we were not even aware that this constitutional rights should be affected in the same way online. We were not even aware, but with education to them, then we get in there. One other aspect that we can do to help them is that when we have bills before parliament that, that are taken to the portfolio committees, we can write to them and make submissions on those particular pieces of legislations that some of them may be a bit technical, like you, you, you indicated. Uh, we can help in that regard. But I think what we need to do and what they have been requesting is that what you've been doing for us in, in teaching us or rather in like awareness you've been raising on, on digital rights um, vis-a-vis cyber crimes, um, digital privacy, uh, issues around digital surveillance, um, we even brought up, um, I think, in the in the in the in the next um, activity that we had after you left, I even had um, um, I raised the awareness on awareness on on the right to be forgotten, which I say forms part of the right to privacy, right to um, private and family life. Say so you have a right to be forgotten. There are certain things that can be written of you online as an MP, as a human rights defender, as a journalist, and as a as an ordinary citizen. You are being accused of, say, rape. You are being accused of sexual harassment. And then it's put online. And then for the next uh, 50 years, Google still remembers you. As, a, as somebody who was accused of um, harassment, for example, or even fraud or corruption. Um, and I said, you have a right to be forgotten when whatever is in the public domain no longer serves any relevance, but has a detrimental effect to you as a person. You have a right to be forgotten. Um, and then, you see, we, we're trying to introduce these concepts um, in a much more relatable way, and we're trying to show them how the laws that they pass could be of impact even to them. So I think education um, would play a vital role, not just for a few, but the whole parliament needs um, to be not necessarily very savvy of this, but at least they should have an understanding and they should be able to say no, but um, maybe here we need assistance from technical people here. It could be lawyers, it could be ICT experts to say no, how does this work? So I think in that manner, we could have um, meaningful, con constructive conversations with the parliamentarians, with them being aware and our rights being promoted and protected through the, the pieces of legislations that they pass and through the education that we provide, they will also be able to understand the, 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 the international human rights 
obligations that our country um, has. So we have we are we are signatories to to the African African human rights systems, uh, UN human rights systems, other systems. We are also part of the international arena. And with the internet, knowing no bounds, it could affect all of us. So education is key here. Oh, wow. Um, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for all this that you have done and the proposals as well. And uh, that, that you are um, I'm stating that can be done. I mean, it's, it's all work in progress. And I mean, also, it's important for us as, as stakeholders as well, who sit in these spaces as well, to also just make a contribution and uh, support the processes in as much as, as possible, you know, that we in whichever way that we can. And I'm I really like the way TRC has been engaging with the parliamentarians and also with, with other stakeholders in, in Lesotho. And I'm, I'm hoping that as anyone listens to this conversation, they will really be very appreciative of the work that you have done. And we are also very uh, grateful that you have taken time to join us today for this uh, episode of the podcast. And you have taken us through the digital rights situation in Lesotho. But I like the fact that you went deep into uh, the issue of the cyber crime bill and uh, you took us through the challenges, the human rights uh, aspects, and also what you are proposing should be done on the bill before it is passed because you have rightly stated and very very articulately stated that uh, you know for what we have right now it can't be passed in that state and you have given us enough justification really to back that up argument and i'm hoping that um based on the work that we have done with other stakeholders and all these other engagements that we have done, we will have a different bill passed by, by the National Assembly. So thank you very much. Maybe just one, uh, a few seconds of your parting words as we end this episode. I'm really grateful of the partnership we have with the, the, the university, but I think publicly I would like to propose that we have uh, an MOU with you and the center so that the work that we've we've done is sustained much longer indeed yeah i i really support the idea of uh, you know partnerships and long standing uh, partnership for the sustainability um, of the work because even after the bill has been passed um, there is still more work as well that will have to be done um, going forward so that uh, justifies the need for a continued uh, partnership so yes we are indeed in agreement and we'll be happy to continue with the partnership and formalize it as well uh, in the form of the M- MOU that you are uh, proposing. Um, yes, I think we can end our podcast here. Thank you so much for the knowledge that you have shared with us. I have just listened to the Africa Rights Talk podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channels, social media platforms such as Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for listening.